We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 431 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Friday, October 28th, 2022, Halloween weekend, 2022, although Halloween isn't actually until Monday, but whatever you are dressing up as for whatever Halloween party that you're going to, for whatever Halloween debauchery you're going to be getting yourself into, enjoy yourself. You know, there was a commander's Halloween party last weekend. The party was thrown by tight end Logan Thomas, who dressed up as Fat Bastard from the Austin Powers movies. Uh, Quarterback Taylor Heineke dressed up as Austin Powers. The photos have been circulating online. Pretty funny. Well, as Austin Powers said, allow myself to introduce myself. Allow myself to introduce myself. Yes. <laughs> Allow myself to introduce myself. Uh, hello and welcome to this Football Friday installment of the Al Goldie podcast. Well, I hope that come Sunday night, we are all celebrating like the great fat bastard, that we are all celebrating a commander's win, that we are all fat bastards together. Uh, the three and four commanders at the three, three and one Indianapolis Colts Sunday afternoon at 425, the first non 1 p.m. game for the Commanders on a Sunday in this 2022 NFL regular season. The final game for the Commanders before the NFL trade deadline this Tuesday, November 1st at 4 p.m. Eastern. A win would give the Commanders a three-game winning streak, have them at 500, and have the season very much back on. A loss might mean the Commanders becoming true sellers regarding the NFL trade deadline, although the NFC is rather underwhelming right now. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 3-5. and five. They fell to 3-5 and five with a 27-22 home loss to the Baltimore Ravens on Thursday Night Football. The Commanders are in NFC wildcard contention, whether they want to be 
or not. Uh, lots of Commanders conversation coming up on the show, including a guest, Colts insider Mike Chappell of Fox 59 CBS 4 Sports in Indianapolis. He has covered the Colts since they came to Indy in 1984. We're going to get into a variety of topics, including why truly the Colts have been starting quarterback Matt Ryan in favor of Sam Ellinger, the extent to which Colts owner and CEO Jim Irsay dictated that decision, how the Colts now look at their starting quarterback from last season, Commander's quarterback Carson Wentz, and the indie perspective on Jim Irsay on October 18th at the NFL's Fall League meeting in Manhattan, New York, saying of Commander's co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder, quote, I believe that there's merit to remove him as owner end quote. Uh, Mike Chappell, very plugged in on the Colts. He'll be with us in a bit. Uh, I have the latest on Commander's injuries for this game at the Colts. I have lots of good stuff from Commander's head coach Ron Rivera, who was back with the team on Thursday off having been in California on Wednesday, tending to a personal matter concerning his mother. Uh, Ron, during his post-practice press conference on Thursday afternoon, gave us an update on what's going on with edge defender Chase Young. Uh, I also have interesting and notable comments from offensive coordinator Scott Turner's post-practice press conference on Thursday afternoon, including a reveal about receiver Terry McLaurin. I have my rhyming keys for a commander's win at the Colts, and I'll give you a prediction for the game. Also on the show, college football. Uh, What a loss for Virginia Tech on Thursday night. I know that a lot of you listening are Hokies fans. My deepest sympathies to you. The Hokies blew a 21-3 third quarter lead in a 22-21 loss at number 24 NC State. Tech in the game had 10 accepted full start penalties. Yes, 10 accepted Full start penalties. A lot to get to with that game. I have Goldilocks previews and picks for Virginia and Navy. The Cavaliers home to Miami Saturday afternoon at 12.30. The Midshipmen home to Temple Saturday afternoon at 3.30. And I'll talk Capitals. Uh, a shutout loss for the Caps on Thursday night. 2 nothing. the final at the Dallas Stars. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Robert Delaney on the MLB playoffs. Writes Robert, I know that the football team drives the car, but since we don't have Nats chat any longer, would love to hear your thoughts on the MLB playoffs. Uh, thank you for the email, Robert. Uh, yeah, so the World Series is beginning on Friday night, game one, the Philadelphia Phillies at the Houston Astros at 8.03. Uh, There's a lot that I could say about the MLB playoffs. I'll give you three quick takeaways that are all Nationals related uh, since this is a Washington, D.C. sports podcast. Number one, the success of the Phillies this postseason is the latest example of how there is the MLB regular season and then there is the MLB postseason. And the former so often means so little for the latter. I mean, think about it. We in the National League in the 2022 regular season had three teams that each won at least 100 games, the Atlanta Braves, the New York Mets, and the Los Angeles Dodgers. And yet all three teams didn't even advance to the National League Championship Series. And the Phillies, who finished third in the National League East, not second, third, won the National League pennant. The MLB playoffs are all about just getting in. And once you are in, anything can happen. See, of course, the 2019 Nats, who won the World Series 
as a wildcard team. Uh, number two, this like retroactive lament <laughs> that I've been seeing and hearing regarding the Nats not re-signing outfielder Bryce Harper as a free agent in the 2018-2019 offseason is hysterical to me. Uh, look, Bryce has been awesome this postseason, but very few, and I mean very few, Nats fans wanted the Nats in that 2018-2019 offseason to spend what it was going to take to re-sign Bryce. Uh, he had been injured a lot. He had been a good player, but not a great player. The Nats had two young promising outfielders in Juan Soto and Victor Robles, and Bryce wanted a record-breaking contract. Uh, credit to him for playing at an MVP level these last few seasons, but Bryce was not that player over his final few seasons with the Nats. If you go by OPS+, Plus, which is OPS that's adjusted for a player's league at home ballpark, 100 is league average, above 100 is above average, Bryce in his time as a Nat had a regular season OPS plus of 139. That's actually very good, uh, though that does go down by a good bit if you just take out his all-world 2015 season. But Bryce, over his four regular seasons with the Phillies, has an OPS plus of 150. That's exceptional. He has been a different and better player for the Phillies than he was with the Nats. And oh, by the way, right, the Nats won the World Series in their first season after Bryce left via free agency. Uh, number three, the top reason by far that the Nats are in the position that they're in, which is the position of being a very bad and rebuilding team, is the collapses of the Nats farm system and player development. The departures of guys like Bryce Harper and right fielder Juan Soto and third baseman Anthony Rendon and shortstop Trey Turner and starting pitcher Max Scherzer are not the primary reason that the Nats are in the position that they're in, nor is the falling apart of starting pitchers Steven Strasburg and Patrick Corbin. The top reason that the Nats are in the position that they are in is that they haven't come close to adequately replacing any of these guys. And just look at it like this. Who did the Nats beat in the 2019 World Series? The Astros. Where are the Astros right now? In the World Series for a second consecutive season and for a third time in four seasons. The Astros, since losing to the Nats in the 2019 World Series, have lost a number of key players from that team. Uh, shortstop Carlos Correa, outfielder George Springer, starting pitchers Garrett Cole and Zach Granke. And yet the Astros have continued to be good while the Nats have declined precipitously. Why is that? Because the Astros have adequately replaced their departed stars. The Nats have not. And that's a function of bad drafting and bad player development. Email from Stanley Evans on something that I talked about a good bit on Thursday's show, episode 430, the connection between Commander's quarterback Taylor Heineke and Commander's receiver Terry McLaurin. Lots of good stuff from Taylor on that during his post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon. Right, Stanley, my favorite pod that I listen to in the morning. Keep up the great work, G. Uh, thank you, Stanley. Continue, Stanley. The game against Green Bay was the first time that I have ever seen Terry McLaurin that excited after a touchdown. Same with Antonio Gibson. I 100% believe that Terry wants Taylor Heineke as a starting quarterback. Because to Tay-Tay's credit, he gives Terry a chance to make plays, even when he's not open. 
Uh, remember the play last year against Atlanta. Taylor pretty much threw the ball up for grabs in the end zone, and Terry made a great play for a touchdown. Heineke gives his playmakers chances to make plays, and that's all that you can ask for. I believe that's why Terry was so hyped, because he knows Heineke is going to feed him the ball regardless if he's open. This is the NFL. Sometimes you have to give your number one receiver chances to make plays in spite of your offensive coordinator. (laughs) Agree? Uh, Thank you for the email, Stanley. I think that one of the trickiest lines for an NFL quarterback to walk is the line between giving your playmakers opportunities to make plays and throwing dangerous passes that can be intercepted. And so often, this is a retroactive line by which if the target makes the catch, you rave about the quarterback giving his playmaker a chance to make the play. And if the pass gets intercepted or is nearly intercepted, you kill the quarterback for being reckless. Uh, Both Taylor Heineke and the man who he has succeeded as a commander starting quarterback, Carson Wentz, have had trouble uh, with walking this line. The good news is that Terry McLaurin is excellent at making contested catches. Terry finished the 2021 regular season number one in the NFL with 25 contested catches per pro football focus. So specific to Taylor and Terry, yeah, I do think that you give Taylor some leeway to throw 50-50 balls to Terry. And yes, that Taylor touchdown pass to Terry in the win at the Atlanta Falcons in week four of last season was tremendous. Uh, Taylor had a fourth quarter, first and 10, 17-yard under center play action touchdown pass to Terry to cut Washington's deficit to 30-28 on what was really a miracle play. Taylor somehow escaped being sacked by edge defender Dante Fowler Jr., then took a shot from linebacker Foyer Aluakin while heaving up a prayer into the end zone but Terry made the catch. Terry answered the prayer. St. Terry answered the prayer. Uh, He made an outstanding diving forward catch. Well, speaking of outstanding, Dr. Matthew Mintz has an outstanding way for you to lose weight if you have struggled to lose weight or have lost weight, but then put weight back on. And that way is medical weight loss, which is a safe, ultra-effective, no-gimmicks way of losing weight and keeping weight off. Dr. Matthew Mintz is a board-certified internal medicine physician and weight loss expert in Bethesda, Maryland. Dr. Mintz understands your frustration because he himself has struggled with being overweight. You see, there's a reason that most weight loss programs fail, and that's because the human body has evolved over time to prevent you from losing weight. And while these mechanisms were protective hundreds of years ago, today these mechanisms just make weight loss extremely difficult. Well, the solution is medical weight loss. By using prescription medications that fight the factors that prevent weight loss, Dr. Mintz will help you achieve your weight loss goals. And not only will you lose the weight, but you'll keep the weight off. And while you may have tried weight loss medications in the past, there now are newer medications that are not only safe and effective, but also can achieve nearly the same weight loss as surgery. You see, Dr. Mintz does not use powders, shakes, or other special foods that you need to purchase. Instead, he uses prescription medications and personalized lifestyle changes, and he'll give you the support that you need to succeed. Dr. Mintz's medical weight loss program includes an initial in-person comprehensive evaluation, blood work, and a customized weight loss plan, in-person or virtual follow-up visits to keep you on track, a full year of phone calls and emails to answer your questions or troubleshoot problems, and one year of prescription medications for weight loss. The good news is that many, if not all of these things, will be covered by or reimbursable through your insurance. 
Dr. Matthew Mintz has been in practice for over 25 years. He serves as clinical faculty at the George Washington University School of Medicine, and he is consistently ranked as a top doctor by Washingtonian Magazine. He is a huge Commanders fan. He is a loyal listener of the Al Galdi podcast. If you are ready to lose your excess weight the right way, find out more about Dr. Matthew Mintz's medical weight loss program by calling 855-646-8963. That's 855-646-8963. And make sure that you tell Dr. Mintz that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit drmintz.com. That's D-R-Mintz, M-I-N-T-Z.com and click on medical weight loss. That's 855-646-8963 or drmintz.com. And make sure that you tell Dr. Mintz that Al Galdi sent you. Well, the most points that the Commanders have scored in any of the team's seven games in the 2022 regular season is 28. Uh, That came in the 28-22 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars at FedEx Field in Week 1. What are the odds that the Commanders will score at least 28 points in this Sunday afternoon's game at the Indianapolis Colts at 425? The Colts, through Week 7, had the following defensive rankings per Football Outsiders DVOA metric for the 2022 regular season. Number 11 in total defense, number 16 in pass defense, number 8 in run defense. The Colts have been a pretty good defensive team so far this season. If the Commanders are going to score at least 28 points this Sunday, uh, that likely will have to happen without receiver Jahan Dodson, who is poised to miss a fourth consecutive game due to a hamstring injury that he suffered in the loss at the Dallas Cowboys in Week 4. He aggravated the injury in practice now two Thursdays ago, October 20th. Uh, Jahan on Thursday did not practice for a second consecutive day. And we, during head coach Rod Rivera's post-practice press conference on Thursday afternoon, got this rather blunt assessment of the likelihood of Jahan playing this Sunday. Well, um, I'm not anticipating him being there Sunday. It's unfortunate, but you know he's still tight. So we've been they've been working him in inside, then working him on the uh, inside the water on the uh, treadmill, and just trying to get him going. Boy, this really is unfortunate. Jahan Dodson had four receiving touchdowns over the Commanders' first four games of this regular season. Now he is set to miss a fourth consecutive game. Uh, receiver Deami Brown on Thursday was a limited participant in practice for a second consecutive day. He, for the 23-21 win over the Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field this past Sunday afternoon, was inactive due to a groin injury. Uh, Might the Commanders finally get back tight end Logan Thomas this Sunday? He, on Thursday, was a limited participant in practice for a second consecutive day. Logan has been inactive for each of the Commanders' last three games due to a calf injury. Uh, It is looking like tight end Cole Turner will be out. He, on Thursday, did not practice for a second consecutive day due to the concussion that he suffered in the win over the Packers. Uh, Right guard Sadiq Charles on Thursday did not practice for a second consecutive day due to illness, Uh, although right tackle Samuel Cosme on Thursday, a full participant in practice for a second consecutive day as he comes off his finger injury, uh, what is a reported left thumb injury for which he underwent surgery on October 4th. Cosme for the win over the Packers was active, but did not play in the game. And as we have been discussing, you do wonder with Sadiq having this illness, if we this Sunday at the Colts might see 
what has been talked about. Cosme at right guard with his replacement at right tackle, Cornelius Lucas, remaining at right tackle. Uh, running back Jonathan Williams on Thursday was a limited participant in practice for a second consecutive day. He, for the win over the Packers, was inactive for a second consecutive game due to a knee injury that he suffered in the loss to the Tennessee Titans at FedEx Field in Week 5. And quarterback Taylor Heineke did remain on the injury report, but he on Thursday was a full participant in practice for a second consecutive day, he has been listed as dealing with a calf ailment. Uh, the nature of Taylor's performance in the win over the Packers has been talked about a bunch by now. Terrible start, much better as the game went on. Something that Taylor has talked about is that even during his oh-so-bad start to the game, he was making the right reads. Uh, we on Thursday afternoon had the weekly post-practice press conference of offensive coordinator Scott Turner. This was Scott on Taylor Heineke. I think he's his decision making is just getting better and better. Um, you know, he he's anticipating. I think he had a lot of a lot of situations in the game where he anticipated and the ball came out of his hand early, you know, and he threw the ball to the spot and, and trusted, trusted his guys were gonna be there. Obviously the touchdown pass is a is a um, example of that to Terry. Um, the last third down is like an extreme example of that. Um, but you know, he he's just uh with experience, you know, comes that, and he's not only experienced playing in the NFL, but playing with these guys, you know, that, that he's playing with for the most part. So um, that part of it, I think, is just the trust, you know, and that, that he's able to, you know, he knows the plays. He's run he, a lot of these plays. He's run multiple times, and uh, he just turns it loose. Yes, turns it loose. Uh, that's one way of putting it. You know, you heard Scott Turner mention, quote, the last third down, end quote. The commander's 11th offensive drive this past Sunday afternoon came off the Packers having just cut the commander's lead to 23-21. The drive did result in a late fourth quarter punt, but the fifth snap of the drive, one of the plays of the game, third and nine for the commanders at their 44. Taylor Heineke, while being pressured by interior defensive lineman Kenny Clark, got off a 12-yard shotgun completion to receiver Terry McLaurin, who battled back to make a leaping catch in front of corner, Jair Alexander. Risky throw by Taylor? Yes. Successful throw by Taylor? Yes. And so we on Thursday afternoon had the following exchange between Commander's Insider Michael Phillips of Richmond.com and Scott Turner. What's your feedback to Taylor on the third down play? He just throws it to t Terry with full trust. Terry goes up and gets it. Do you... Do you encourage that? Do you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's what this game is about. I mean, that's why we practice. Um, you know, Terry got pushed a little bit wide on the route. It's not necessarily what it's supposed to look like, but he got to the spot where he's supposed to be. And um, they wanted to follow uh, for the mo they wanted to follow have what's his name uh, twenty three uh, Alexander follow Terry. So we felt good about that matchup. So we we you know we got it at the end of the game and we went to it and uh, Taylor had some pressure in his face, but he threw the ball on time to the spot. Um, and Terry made the play, you know, but that that's why we, you know, we spend all this time and they, they spend all the time, you know, the players working together and everything like that. And Taylor obviously hasn't had a lot of those reps this year with Terry, but he has in the past and he knows the play and he put it out there where, where it's supposed to be. Um, and he did it on time, you know, which is the uh, a, bit, a major point as well. And again, Taylor, uh, Terry made the play. Yes, he did. Interesting to hear Scott Turner say that he, quote, absolutely, end quote, was good with Taylor Heineke 
making that throw to Terry McLaurin. Now, with Terry in the win over the Packers, uh, we saw some emotion from Terry, especially after his 37-yard touchdown reception in the third quarter. We talked about that on Thursday's show, episode 430. How about this reveal from Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on Terry McLaurin? You know, Terry's a prideful guy, and, you know, he, he's a really he's a really good guy. You don't see a lot of it, um, but, you know, there's been a little bit of frustration, and he knows, like, what he's capable of, and maybe the numbers haven't reflected that, and um, he got an opportunity to show it a couple times in that game, and he came up big, so, you know, I was happy for him. So how about that? Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon revealed that Terry McLaurin had been frustrated to at least some extent with the season that he's having. Uh, I guess that that's not that surprising, although it's not like Terry's stats for this season are horrible. Uh, You know, we're just so used to Terry being this, like, mild-mannered guy that it stands out hearing that he was frustrated. Whatever the case, I was glad to see the emotion that we saw from Terry this past Sunday afternoon. I do think that that very much resonated with teammates. And, you know, Terry for this 2022 regular season is averaging a career best 16.3 yards per reception. Uh, Some good stuff on Thursday afternoon on the commander's rushing offense. Uh, I, on Monday's show, episode 427, talked about how right now it may well be that Antonio Gibson and not Brian Robinson Jr. is the best running back on the commanders, even though Robinson this past preseason supplanted Gibson as the team's number one running back. Now, I do think that you got to give Robinson ample opportunity considering that he has only played in three NFL regular season games. And he is, of course, coming off having been shot multiple times in that incident in Washington, D.C. on August 28th. Uh, Ultimately, the commander's running game in the win over the Packers was good. Uh, Running backs Brian Robinson Jr., Antonio Gibson, and J.D. McKissick, and receiver Curtis Samuel in the game combined for 36 carries for 162 yards. That works out to 4.5 yards per carry. The commanders won the time of possession battle by 14 minutes, 14 seconds. Remember, the Packers through week six were number 32 in the NFL, dead last in the NFL in run defense per DVOA for the 2022 regular season. So the commanders in the game did adequately exploit a major weakness of the Packers. Uh, Bride Robinson Jr. in the game had 20 carries for 73 yards and had two receptions for 13 yards on two targets and playing on 47% of the commander's offensive snaps. Antonio Gibson in the game had 10 carries for 59 yards and three receptions for 18 yards and a touchdown on four targets and playing on 39% of the commander's offensive snaps. It stands out that Gibson now, over the last two games, has 15 carries for 90 four yards, 6.27 yards per carry. Uh, That's terrific, obviously. One of the ideas that I thought was behind the commanders taking Brian Robinson Jr. in the third round of the 2022 NFL draft was for him to at least spell Gibson and keep him fresher, keep him healthier, you know, that less could be more for Gibson. Here was Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on if less is more for Antonio Gibson. I mean, he's fresher. 
um, and he's faster because maybe he's not getting hit as much. You know that that pro- that might have something to do with it. Um, kind of flow of the game um, has something to do with it. I, I said this before, and again, we'll see if it proves true. I th- I think it will. There's going to be some games where those numbers may be flipped. You know what I mean? Where Antonio gets rolling early and we stick with him more, and B Rob doesn't get quite as much, um, or it's more even. You know how it is. I mean, uh, you know. You know, B Rob obviously had the lower yards per carry, but that's because he was in there for some of those grinded out type of moments and runs. Um, and and Antonio hit a couple splash plays that are going to you know boost your. I thought he was going to hit a 75 yard touchdown. He got tripped up barely. You know, um, I'm happy with how it is. Uh, you know, there's going to be some back and forth with it. Uh, the type of guys they are, they both want to play all the time. You you want them to be like that. Um, but I think it's a it's a good combination between the two of them, um, and there's going to be some you know some some give and take between that group. Yeah, it really doesn't matter who is doing the ball carrying for the Commanders as long as the overall rushing offense output is good. Now we in the win over the Packers did see very little of J.D. McKissick. Uh, He had one carry for four yards and had no receptions on two targets in playing on just 16 percent of the commander's offensive snaps. Rod Rivera on Thursday afternoon on J.D. McKissick's role going forward. Well, I think if if what happens is if, if Brian Robinson continues on the path that he's on, uh, in terms of getting back to shape and getting back to form, and uh, AG continues to play to, to the level he is, um, we won't hopefully be in as many passing situations where you need a JD McKissick, a guy like him, to come in that can change the pace and tempo of the game. And we saw that at the end of the uh, the second quarter against Chicago, and then we saw it. Uh, later on in the Chicago game when we got into passing situations. So the role for J.D. is really going to be, will be dictated as, as to how successful we are to your question, running the ball. Yeah, J.D. McKissick in the 12-7 win at the Chicago Bears on Thursday Night Football in Week 6 had two carries for 20 yards and had no receptions on three targets in playing on 30% of the commander's offensive snaps. He did have a key run on a scoring drive. The commander's fifth offensive drive resulted in kicker Joey Sly's 38-yard field goal with 46 seconds left in the second quarter for a 3-0 commander's lead. Seventh snap of the drive, J.D. McKissick had a second and 10, 16-yard shotgun handoff run. Uh, As mentioned, the Commanders in the win over the Packers won the time of possession battle big by 14 minutes, 14 seconds. Here was Ron Rivera on Thursday afternoon on the benefits of a good running game. When you when you're running the ball well, it helps the offensive line first and foremost. You know the, the defensive line can't just tee off. They, they've they've got to approach it where it's it's about read and react now, as opposed to just getting vertical and getting after the quarterback. So I think that's the first thing that's probably uh, one of the more important things as far as being able to run the ball successfully. Uh, secondly, it makes your your play action more viable. I mean, now they have to pay attention. They have to anticipate. You know whether it is run or pass, and then they've got to go from there. And, and then it takes a lot. Of pressure off the quarterback. If you're gaining yards running it, then you're, you're you know he doesn't have to sit there and try and read a lot of things. Um, and then the the fourth thing, and 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 to the defensive side, it helps them. It gets them off the field. It, it, it lowers the amount of time that the opponent will be on the field, and gives them a little bit more of a break. So having success running the ball is 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 important. Yes, it is. Everything matters. Passing offense matters more than rushing offense matters. But rushing offense is important, no doubt. Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on calling running plays and on a key factor in the win over the Packers. I told the guys, 
I'll call 38 runs every game. I, don't, I got no issue with that. Um, but we got to convert third downs in order to do that. I mean, you, you, you can't call a run if you're not on the field. So, you know, us able to convert third downs, I thought that was one of the biggest parts of the game. I know 7 for 16, but we started 0 for 4. Um, and then the pick 6 was the fourth one. And then at, from that point on, I thought we did a great job on third down. That allows you to run the ball. That was the number one um, third down defense in the NFL, and they they weren't letting anybody. Once you got past third and seven, there just wasn't a conversion, and we and we got four of those. Um, and to me, that was the difference in in the game. Yeah, the Commanders off having gone a putrid three of twenty two on third downs over the team's previous two games, when seven of sixteen on third downs in the win over the Packers, and the quarterback, Taylor Heineke, had a lot to do with that. Well, for more than 40 years, the law firm of Paulson and Nace has had a lot to do with helping people throughout the region. Uh, No law firm does a better job of fighting for victims than Paulson and Nace does. That's why, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases, offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. Chris Nace and Matt Nace are dedicated trial attorneys who do not balk in the face of large insurance companies or well-known businesses that have had practices or products that are directly related to the root of your harm. Paulson and Nace does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who cause clients harm more than the offers benefit the clients. This is because Paulson and Nace is not afraid to take a case to trial, and that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. Paulson and Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. Heck, take a case that was recently concluded. Paulson and Nace in July won a case for which the United States government must pay nearly $1.8 million. Uh, This to a former American University field hockey player because of a military doctor's failure to diagnose and treat the student for a 2011 concussion that left her with permanent symptoms. You may have heard about this. Uh, Paulson and Nace defeated the U.S. government. Again, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Schedule a no-obligation appointment by calling 202-902-7611. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace.
Do not forget to give the podcast a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And if you're really feeling generous, uh, please write a brief review saying that you like the podcast. You could do that on Apple Podcasts. And thank you very much for doing the ratings and the reviews. Uh, Let's talk Commander's defense in preparation for this Sunday afternoon's game at the Indianapolis Colts at 425. Uh, There now very much is concern that linebacker Cole Holcomb may not play in the game. Cole on Thursday did not practice for a second consecutive day due to a foot injury. This was head coach Ron Rivera during his post-practice press conference on Thursday afternoon on Cole Holcomb. He's been a solid player. He's done a lot of good things. He's, he's pretty much led the defense. Um, he's got a he's got a foot sprain right now. He's been treating it. Uh, we're trying to keep him off it as much as possible, and then we'll see how he is for tomorrow. All right, so a foot sprain for Cole Holcomb. Uh, Cole in the 2022 regular season has played on a team high tying 98.67% of the commander's defensive snaps. He and corner Kendall Fuller are tied for the team lead in most defensive snaps played. Uh, Cole in the 2021 regular season played in 16 of Washington's 17 games and was second on the team in most defensive snaps played at 92.23%. If Cole Holcomb is out for Sunday at the Colts. Uh, That, in theory, would mean a larger role for linebacker Jamin Davis, who, to his credit, has been better lately. Uh, Jamin, for the 23-21 win over the Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field this past Sunday afternoon, was the highest-graded commander's defensive player for pro football focus. Uh, He registered an overall grade of 71. Now, that's not a great grade. PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100, but that was the highest grade for any commander's defensive player in the game. Ron Rivera on Thursday afternoon on if Jamin Davis is at a point at which he is capable of taking on a bigger role if Cole Holcomb is out for Sunday. Oh yeah, if, if Jamin has taken on a bigger role, I, I don't I don't feel bad about it. The nice thing I feel good about is we got a couple of veterans still back there as well, you know. And and if if we needed to, you know, um, David Mayo and John Bostic are, are more than capable players for us. Yeah, you know, the commanders are lacking in depth at linebacker, or at least indefinite depth at linebacker. I mean, maybe the likes of David Mayo and Jonathan Bostic will play well this Sunday, but neither guy has been playing much. Uh, Mayo in this 2022 regular season has played on a total of just a 21 commanders defensive snaps. Uh, Bostic in this 2022 regular season has played on a total of just a 16 commander's defensive snaps. And one of the commander's other linebackers is on the reserve injured list. Uh, Milo Eifler, our guy Milo. Uh, He has been on injured reserve since October 8th due to a hamstring injury. Two other commander's defensive players were listed as not practicing on Thursday. Interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen, uh, but simply due to rest. And uh, also, yes, benched corner William Jackson III, who is dealing with with a back injury. Uh, You know, this game on Sunday is the commander's final game before the NFL trade deadline, which is this Tuesday, November 1st at 4 p.m. Eastern. Are we on the verge of the commander's trading William Jackson III? Uh, Well, I think that the commanders would love to trade William Jackson III, but three things, his contract, his bad play, and his back injury Uh, all very much work against him being traded. Like, if you were another NFL team, would you want to trade for William Jackson III right now? Uh, Rod Rivera on Thursday afternoon got asked about the William Jackson III situation via this exchange with Commander's Insider Nikki Javala of the Washington Post. William Jackson, not asking specifics about any trades, but do you anticipate him being back on the field for you guys at some point? Um... 
it, it's a little early to tell, but you know, um, for what we're doing right now, we're 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 going to focus on the guys that'll be on the field. Yeah, it sounds like either the Commanders are going to trade William Jackson the third, or they're just going to bench William Jackson the third for the rest of the season. Now, I suppose that injuries could change that plan, but it really does not sound like Rod Rivera plans on playing Jackson again. Uh, geez, what a bust of a signing the William Jackson the third signing has been. March 2021, a three-year, $40.5 million unrestricted free agent contract. And here we are in the middle of his second season with the team. And already it looks like he is done with the team. Uh, But the commanders through week seven were number two in the NFL in lowest opponents third down efficiency for the 2022 regular season. The truth is that the commander's defense right now is doing just fine without William Jackson III, just as the team's defense right now is doing just fine without edge defender Chase Young. Doesn't mean that you don't want Chase back, but I mean, you tell me, right now the defense is in a pretty good place, even though Chase Young has yet to play on a single snap this season. On Thursday's show, episode 430, spent a good bit of time talking about the latest with Chase Young, who remains on the reserve physically unable to perform list due to the torn right ACL that he suffered in the win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field on November 14th, 2021. Uh, The expectation had been that Chase's 21-day practice window would be started on Wednesday. Uh, That did not happen. As per reports, the team wanted to have another visit to a doctor for Chase. Uh, Well, we on Thursday afternoon did get some encouraging news on Chase. Uh, Here was Ron Rivera on what's going on with Chase Young. Well, for the most part, he's had an opportunity to visit with Doc today, um, and everything's positive. So uh, it's one of those things that we looked at it. He's met with Doc on Sunday and wanted us to slow it down a little bit. I want to take one more look. So he had a real heavy work day on Sunday afternoon, I mean Sunday morning before the game. And then uh, he's had a couple of heavy work days. Doc wanted to see him. He flew down, saw him this morning, and just waiting on his return. But um, preliminary out, texted me, told me everything went great. Doc is very happy with it, and uh, we're, we'll be able to start him next week. All right, so good to hear that. Uh, the commanders will be starting Chase Young's 21-day practice window next week. At least that's what we were told uh, on Thursday. Now, if we next week have yet another delay, then you really do have to worry. But for now, the delay of this week seems to truly be a function of just being extra cautious. Uh, Look, Chase Young's recovery from what we know was a complicated ACL surgery has taken longer than anyone would have hoped for. Uh, This clearly was a devastating injury. How he will be as an NFL player once he's back is anyone's guess, but at least it does seem, and I stress that word seem, as if he hasn't suffered a setback. So that is good. Uh, One of the reasons that the commanders haven't missed Chase Young a ton is the play of fellow edge defender Montez Sweat. Uh, Montez, through week seven, was tied for fourth in the NFL in quarterback hits for the 2022 regular season. 14 quarterback hits, the same total as Dallas Cowboys linebacker Micah Parsons has. Uh, Also, Montez, through week seven, was number six in the NFL in highest run-stop win rate as an edge defender per ESPN for the 2022 regular season. Montez, off by his own admission, a subpar 2021 season, is having a very nice 2022 season. Rod Rivera on Thursday afternoon on Montez Sweat.
No, I just think tremendous growth on his part. I think um, understanding, you know, what we're what we're expecting from the defense alignment, you know, especially our, our defensive ends. I think that's really helped him. I think the play of the guys around him, um, you know, Jonathan playing at that high level, I think has really helped him. As as Duran, you know, the two of those guys are terrific inside tandem. Um, I think the other guys on the opposite side that have been filling in have have done a nice job also. So I think it's really just everything coming together as far as that unit is concerned. And the commander's defensive line this Sunday will be facing Colts quarterback Sam Ellinger, who will be making his first NFL regular season start. He is starting in place of the benched Matt Ryan, who is injured. He has a grade two shoulder separation, but the Colts clearly have benched Matt Ryan. Uh, What to expect from Sam Ellinger? Who the heck knows? Uh, Rod Rivera on Thursday afternoon on facing a virtual unknown in Sam Ellinger. Well, you know, you're going to get a little different player. Obviously, Matt was more of a prolific style passer. He was tall in the pocket. Um, Matt did a lot of tremendous things, and, and he's had a very good career. really has. Um, whereas you look at Sam Ellinger, young guy, got a terrific arm, very headsy, smart player. He's got a good feel for the game. When you watch his, uh, his preseason stuff, you watch some of the stuff back from college. I went back and looked at the reports on him. Um, you know, this is a guy that has a good sense and feel for running the RPOs. Um, and he also has a really good feel for as a runner himself. So those are things that we're all kind of looking at, trying to anticipate and figure out what's the best way to defend against that. Well, the commanders on Sunday at the Colts have a chance for a third consecutive win. Uh, You right now, if you are looking to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, have a great chance at a bargain buy. Housing prices are coming down due to an increase in inventory caused by the increases in mortgage rates, while others are not buying. Now actually is the perfect time to buy. When everyone else is zigging, you should be zagging. Contact real estate agent Kellen Hunt. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. Kellen Hunt understands the Washington, D.C. area real estate market, and he is here for you to listen to what you want, no matter your situation in life. Whether you are a first-time buyer looking for guidance, or you have a young family looking for a bigger home, or you are ready to retire and or are looking to downsize, Kellen Hunt can help you. Kellen Hunt is a real estate agent for real people. He's a great guy, and he will listen to you. He's not just some know-it-all. He works for you. He takes in what you are looking for and then gets to work. Smart, attention to detail, creative. Put Kellen Hunt to work for you. And know this, Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. You have nothing to lose. See what Kellen Hunt can do for you. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. If you are trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kell. Take advantage of the current market. Visit CloseItWithKell.com and tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. The 3-4 and four Commanders are at the 3-3-1 three, three and one Indianapolis Colts Sunday afternoon at 425. The top storyline for this game was supposed to be Commanders quarterback Carson Wentz facing the team for which he was the starting quarterback last season and the team that traded him to the Commanders 
this past March, but uh, quite a bit has changed. Uh, Carson is on the reserve injured list of suffering a fractured finger on his right hand in the win at the Chicago Bears on Thursday Night Football in Week 6. And so Taylor Heineke now is the commander's starting quarterback, and the Colts now have a new starting quarterback. Uh, their head coach, former Maryland quarterback Frank Reich, on Monday announced that the team was benching Matt Ryan in favor of of Sam Ellinger, who has never started an NFL regular season game. Uh, we also, of course, have Colts owner and CEO Jim Ursay on October 18th at the NFL Fall League meeting in Manhattan, New York, having said of Commander's co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder, quote, I believe that there's merit to remove him as owner, end quote. Uh, so yeah, the storylines for this game, not exactly what we were anticipating just a few weeks ago. Uh, I am very pleased to welcome back to the Al Galdi podcast right now, Colts insider Mike Chappell of Fox 59 CBS 4 Sports in Indianapolis. He has covered the Colts since they came to Indy in 1984. You can follow Mike on Twitter at mchappell51, at M-C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L 51. Mike, it's nice to talk to you. How are you? How are you doing? Doing well. Good to have you back on. So let's start with the benching of Matt Ryan uh, in favor of Sam Ellinger. Uh, We know that Ryan has a grade two shoulder separation, but this clearly is a benching and not an injury-induced change. Uh, Based on your conversations with people and on what you know, why truly was this change made? Turnovers. uh, Turnovers. What surprised me about the change is, you know, there's the grade two separation, but it wasn't, you know, we're going to go with Sam Ellinger because Matt Ryan's hurt, and when Matt Ryan's ready, he'll be back. It was, no, Frank's quote was, right now, Sam is our quarterback for the rest of the year. Well, that's pretty stunning. Uh, I, I point out to everybody that I have thrown as many passes in the NFL as Sam Ellinger has, which is zero. So it's it's this is not an 0 17. Yes, it's a team that's can't get out of its own way a lot of the times. Go right there to do something. I mean something, whatever that something is. And you're turning to a quarterback who who you, you like, but you don't know. And you know, I, I it was it was if I had to pick a word, I would say desperation a desperate move because you just don't know. And if I'm Frank Reich and my job security is in question, even with the turnovers of Matt Ryan, I believe he gives me a better chance to win over the course of the season than Sam Ellinger. So we'll see. Like you said, we all expected Matt Ryan versus Carson Wentz. Uh, We're not getting that. (laughs) No, we are not. Was the benching of Matt Ryan truly Frank Reich's call, or was this more a call by general manager Chris Ballard and or Jim Irsay? Well, he, he, he mentioned that, for the most part, all decisions are collaborative. But he also mentioned how they always talk with Jim Irsay after games, if not that night, then the next day. With, when I say they, Chris Ballard and Frank Reich, you know, generate a phone call to say, you know, What's going on in all this? They had that this Sunday night, and and, and Frank mentioned how the owner, you know, 
knows his stuff and he gives serious input. And he said, you know what, sometimes, you know, it, 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 one vote means more. So this was not at its core Frank Reich's decision. I don't believe that this is me just speculating on what I know. Uh, but I, I think it was one that, that it was driven from the top, may, maybe with Chris Ballard. I don't know. I know the owner was really growing frustrated with the tournament. He should. It's crazy because Ryan is like top five in attempts and, and completions and yards. And then he leads the league in, in interceptions. He leads the league in turnovers. He has 12 turnovers in seven games. And the opponents have turned that into 56 points. Well, that's just unsustainable. You know, they hold a, they hold Tennessee to no touchdowns and four field goals. And they lost by nine, for crying out loud. So it, it, it's just, it hasn't worked for a lot of reasons. Not all, not all on Ryan. It, it's not. He's got three fourth quarter comebacks, so he's, he's a big reason they're three, three, and one. But you just can't keep having the turnovers and, and the bad decisions, so they're going a different direction for now. It's funny to hear from you about the sizable role that Jim Ursay played in the benching of Matt Ryan, because as you know, there was so much from Ursay these last few months about how great of a leader Matt Ryan is and how he was just what the Colts needed. And the obvious implication was that the Colts were so much better off with Matt Ryan than they were with Carson Wentz as their starting quarterback. Is it, in fact, accurate to say that Carson was better for the Colts last season than Matt was for the Colts this season? Well, that's a, it's a good question. I'd say no. I, I know where you're going with it, and it, it, I understand it. There was, I, I won't say universal belief that Wentz was the wrong guy, because I'm not, I, I don't think it was universal, but there were things going on that just unsettled people in the organization, leadership, and all that stuff. So, I won't go that far, although you can make that argument. You can. You can make the argument. But it was very clear. I talked to uh, Ursay the day after the Jacksonville debacle last year, and he was done. He was done with wins. Uh, and no ifs, ands, or buts. Keep in mind, they traded, I was going to say dumped, they traded wins to Washington, and they had no plan B. The only other quarterback on the roster was uh, Alan Drew and a guy named James Morgan, I think it was. He's so obscure, I don't remember his name. And they were going to go anybody else but Carson Wentz. Well, that tells you volumes about what they were, wh- where they were with him. So, I, I, in the fact that they got what they did from Washington, they, they really mitigated their their their. Their, their losses or their mistake. One thing I'll say on, on Wentz and, and Ryan, when, when they went and made the deal with Philly for Wentz, it was really Frank Reich driven from his time in Philly and what he thought he could get out of Carson Wentz. I, if you want to use the word fixing, I, I think you know Frank thought he could fix a broken quarterback. He had to really lobby or or talk the owner and the GM into it to some extent. And he did. 
Well, with Matt Ryan, there was no, what do you think it was? Of course, this is the right move. And I thought the media, for what we know, good or bad, we more endorsed Ryan than we did Wentz. I thought Wentz might be the, the long-term answer until he wasn't. But there was no, there was very little. I don't know if we ought to go after Matt Ryan. You know, he's 37. No, it was pretty much this is the guy. Uh, again, keep in mind, they, he wasn't available when they made the trade to get rid of Wentz. He was still with Atlanta until the Falcons went after Deshaun Watson. So it, it, I hope there's no revisionist history with the Colts that, well, we didn't, we didn't really know about. No, they knew. They, they knew what they were getting. One thing that Frank Wright pointed out totally accurately is he told Matt Ryan that on some level we failed you. And they did. They brought him here and he thought he was coming to a team with a, a, a top-level offensive line. Remember, he was just getting beaten up in Atlanta with sacks and hits. And he had no running game in Atlanta. Well, that's what Indy offered. They offered a good offensive line and they offered a rushing champion. And neither has worked. The offensive line has just been not good. Whatever, whatever description you want to use, and by by consequence, the running game is one of the worst in the league. Jonathan Taylor has not forgotten how to run the football. This is not a Jonathan Taylor problem. It's an offensive line problem. They lead the league in sacks. One of the worst teams in the league rushing. That's an offensive line issue. Yeah, and the Commanders have had major offensive line problems. This season as well, we're talking Commanders Colts with Colts insider Mike Chappell of Fox 59 CBS 4 Sports in Indianapolis. He has covered the Colts since they came to Indy in 1984. Uh, Are you at all surprised that the Colts are going with Sam Ellinger as their starting quarterback as opposed to going with Nick Foles? Oh, not after they, you know, last week they they elevated Ellinger above uh, Foles for whatever their reason. They used the word schematic, but maybe we can use him in short yardage and packages and all I didn't buy that. They, I'm telling you, they they think they have something in Ellinger. I'm not saying Tom Brady 2.0. I'm not saying that. He's a six-round pick. I'm not going there. But they just think he's got something. He was very, very productive at Texas, throwing, running, and he's got the old hit factor, which is great. It's a lot of quarterbacks don't have the impact, or I can think of several. But they think he does, but you better be able to play the position as well. And so, no, but I tell you, if I'm Nick Foles, I'm thinking, what's going on here? You brought me in to be the backup. And that's why I say normally, if, they, if, if the tipping point hadn't happened in Tennessee, I would think what you do in a normal situation is you let Matt Ryan sit for a week and get healthy, and you start Nick Foles. He's your backup. But they went away from that last week, and, and you know, he's just got to be wondering what I got into. Now, it's it's funny when players, when people say, well, you know, this is the money he signed on for. Well, you know, part of it he signed on for $4 million guaranteed. So let, let's not, he, he's not in Siberia for that <laughs> Yeah. So, but it, it is strange because. Frank has talked as highly of of Nick Foles as anybody. They go way back. There's really a tight connection. 
but they want to see what this kid's got. If it works fine, if it doesn't, I don't, I don't know how you go back to Matt Ryan if Sam Ellinger, heaven forbid, goes out there and is just awful, just awful. How do you go back in three weeks and say, Matt, uh, we need you to help save our season. I mean, he'll be a pro and he'll do it, but they've just painted themselves into this corner. Instead of again, instead of saying, "Well, Matt's hurt, but he's he's, he's going to miss this start," but when he's healthy, he's our guy. They didn't do that, so it's they've really painted themselves into a corner at quarterback. The Colts are three, three, and one. I mean, it's not like their season is a complete disaster. What has gone well for the Colts this season? Defense, defense have played lights out. Uh, again, in two games, they've, they've kept teams out of the end zone now with Denver and Tennessee, not exactly two offensive, you know, monsters. But they've played well. They're, they're, they kind of drive you crazy against the run because they've played pretty well. They've played pretty well. And then Jacksonville goes for 243. It's a Colts win, but still 243. Uh, but they've, they've played well. They're, they're, they're just it, – it's playing well as a group. The secondary is playing well. Stephon Gilmore has been as advertised. Grover Stewart, their nose tackle, is just playing Pro Bowl level. He probably won't make it because nose tackles don't get any love in the NFL. But he had 12 tackles in Tennessee. That's the most in the league this year by a tackle. And the most by a Colts tackle – since 1994, at least 1994, so he's playing really, really well. The Forest Buckers playing well, and they're doing all this without Shaq Leonard, who has been out with you know he missed the first what was it five four games I think it was with back surgery. He came back and then he got blown up by his own teammate, got a concussion, a broken nose. I think he plays this week, which will help. I wish he could play quarterback, yeah. but I, I think. He will help because the one thing that's really been missing are takeaways, and that's what he does. He just he just gets the ball out. So I, I think a good defense will get better with his return. Well, with the Colts' defense playing well, I take it that the team's new defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley, is uh, doing just fine in place of Matt Eberflus, who left to become the head coach of the Chicago Bears. Yeah, again, one thing that Flus had was they were like top four in, in, against the run in his four years. It's not been quite that this year. They're, they, they, they've fallen off. The 243 will do that to you in, in, in a short season. But they, they've played well. They've not been the problem. Now, they had the, the stinker against at Jacksonville. It was 24 to nothing. But everybody was awful that day. But by and large, they've not been a problem. They've kept teams winnable. And that's why so much of this, not so much, of almost all of it falls on the quarterback. And, and the offense. They're averaging 16 points a game. That's just ridiculous. Uh, they've not scored a point on their opening drive in like nine straight games. And they're, they've trailed at the half in nine straight games. They're just not built to play from behind game after game. And like I say, that game last week was winnable. It was. And you, you the mistakes have been bad, but then it's mistakes that, that are compounded by, you know, a pick six and down in, 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 the, in the wrong end of the field. So th- this has been an offensive mess. 
they can change quarterbacks every week, but until they get the offensive line fixed, it's not going to matter. You earlier in our conversation used the word desperation in talking about the benching of Matt Ryan in relation to Frank Reich. Is Reich coaching for his job the rest of this season? I think so. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's bottom line business. I think he knows that. I don't think he's going to admit it, but I think so. And, you know, you have to question whether the GM is on the hot seat. You know, I've argued in in our press room and we're sitting there just talking that a lot of this is, is more personnel issues than it is coaching issues. Now, for whatever reason, the offensive line is not performing. Is that, is that coaching? I don't know. I, yeah, I guess. But they went into the season with a left tackle who had one start at left tackle under his belt, and it didn't work, Matt Pryor. They went into the season with uh, Danny Pinner, a late-round pick at right guard, and that didn't work. So two or three things that they did just didn't work, and that, that's personnel. You know, All of a sudden, we go into the season, we're complaining and worried about the lack of experience and depth at receiver and tight end, and all of a sudden, those positions are playing pretty well. It's the offensive line that just let them down, and by extension, it's not allowed Matt Ryan to be who they needed him to be. I got to get your take on what Jim Ursay said about Dan Snyder. You know Ursay well. What did you make of him becoming the first NFL owner to publicly question whether Dan should remain as commander's owner? You know what I didn't. What 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 I still don't know is. Is he is he the rogue talking about that? Because his, his was the only critical voice at the meeting. Because the rest of them were sort of, you know, they just kind of slept it off. Or was he sort of the tip of the spear where, hey, Jimmy, we're behind you, but why don't you be the voice? I don't know. But I, I tell you, I do know how how strong his, his convictions are about the NFL. I, it, it's people can think it's corny and all this, but he believes that we're all in this together, and what you do affects me, and you better carry yourself the right way. All through my years, and I've been doing this since '84, he's always referred to the Maras and the Roonies and the Hunts and the Hallises. How? It's league first, team second. Yeah, yes, you take care. You got to take care of your team because it's your business. But it's doing things for the for the league, and he sees what's going on, what's been going on there, as really, really harmful to the league and you know the shield and all of the cliche stuff. So I think that was from the heart. Now, whether he was the spokesman for the group, because he said he was asked if. Do you think if it comes to a vote, you'll have the, 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 the votes? And I think he said probably, or he said, I think so. So I don't think his is the only voice like this, but his is the only one that, that he, he was the only one that went out there. From what I understood, I wasn't there, but I've been to league meetings, and there's always a, you know, the, the media sort of stands around waiting for guys, and occasionally an owner pops out, and you have to follow him down the hallway. From what I understood, Jimmy came out of the room, and he made a beeline to the to the media. Wow! So this this was on his mind. This was going to happen again. Whether this was him going solo or him being the spokesman for a group, I don't know. But 
it was sincere, and maybe people in Washington didn't take it take it well, which I understand. But th- this was something he feels very strongly about. Well, people in the Washington, D.C. area can't stand Dan Snyder. So I can tell you with certainty that what Jim Irsay said about Dan was, for the most part, very well received around here. The pushback would be, do Jim Irsay's comments about Dan Snyder and Jim Irsay's feeling about the tradition of the NFL ring hollow, given Irsay's own personal problems, uh, which, of course, are well documented? Yeah, no, because I, I think what I think in this instance it sort of helped him. Because remember, one of the things that in that story was that well, Dan Snyder's got dirt on people. Yeah, <laughs> but and Jim Irsay, including, including the commissioner, and Jim Irsay said you can invest, investigate me. Look, Cal's go home. His stuff is out there. Yeah, you know his his uh, uh, pain pill addiction is out there. He was suspended. He paid over a half a million dollar fine. So he. he He's done his penance, I guess, if you want to put it that way. And I, I don't know what else there would be to dig up. Now, some of the other owners may be, you know, sweating bullets. I don't know. But I, th- I think it was a case where he, I, I, he's probably the one owner that, hey, my stuff's out there. My dirty laundry's flapping in the, in the breeze. So, I, But I do understand that. One thing that naturally people still, to this day, Confused is this is not Bob Ursay. This, this is not Bob Ursay. In, in years past, Bob Ursay would have fired the coach and general manager and the, and the quarterback like in week three this year. That's how he was. Jim Ursay has never fired a coach in midseason during the season. He, he, yes, he, he, his hands are on things only when he really thinks it, it, it must be done. And Bob Ursay would he'd change, you know, he'd go off at any time. So this this is not this is not a meddling owner to that degree at all. Uh, and I think sometimes people still believe that it's the elder say uh, the late Bob Ursay is is who this is, and it's not. This pains him a great deal. He he believes in in Frank Reich. He believes in. In Chris Ballard, he believed in Matt Ryan, uh, so it took something strong to have him go, you know, spearhead this change. And it took it took something dramatic for him to go off on on Snyder. So that's who he is, uh, and, and we've come to understand that here. I think nationally, it's still not he's still not seen that way. Yeah, well, like I said, what Jim Irsay said about Dan Snyder was, for the most part, very well-received around here. Colts insider Mike Chappell of Fox 59 CBS 4 Sports in Indianapolis. Mike, much respect to you. Thanks a lot for your time and all the best. Stay in touch. All right, up next, my rhyming keys for a commander's win at the Colts. Well, as you surely know, internet security and privacy are major issues. Uh, A great way to ensure internet security and privacy is with a VPN. VPN stands for Virtual Private Network. A VPN is a tool that encrypts your internet traffic and hides your IP address and virtual location. A VPN significantly boosts your online privacy and security. And there's no VPN that's better than Nord. VPN. 
Uh, the setup is easy. The benefits are many. You can secure your online data from internet thieves and third parties. You won't need to worry about unsecure websites or unsecure apps anymore. You won't need to worry about being on public Wi-Fi anymore. All of your internet traffic will be routed through a remote server so you can access websites that are restricted in your country. Uh, so you can have access to sports from all over the world and can have access to, say, not just the U.S. version of Netflix, but also the United Kingdom's version of Netflix. Uh, also, NordVPN has a threat protection feature that'll mean that you no longer have to worry about intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes the file before it makes a mess of your computer. And NordVPN allows you to secure up to six devices on one account. So here's what you do. Go to nordvpn.com slash algaldi to get your subscription started. You can receive a huge discount on a two-year plan and get a free month. That's nordvpn.com slash algaldi. There's a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. That's nordvpn.com slash algaldi. nordvpn.com slash algaldi. If you would like to advertise on the Al Galdi podcast, if you would like to have your business or practice promoted on the pod and reach thousands of people every episode at an oh-so-affordable price, uh, hit us up. The email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. It has been more than 20 years since Washington beat the Indianapolis Colts in the regular season, October 27th. 2002, a 26-21 Redskins win over the Colts at FedEx Field. That was the last time that Washington beat the Colts in the regular season. Washington since has lost four consecutive regular season games to the Colts. The two teams do not play often, but they are playing on Sunday afternoon. The three and four commanders at the three, three, and one Colts at 425. How do the commanders beat the Colts for the first time in more than 20 years? How do the commanders win this game and notch a third consecutive victory? Well, my friends, it is that time. The time to rhyme. It is time for rhyming keys. My keys to a commander's victory in rhyming fashion. Always know these rhymes, they are not meant to be good. Uh, they are only meant to make a few points. And in fact, I have a saying, perhaps you know it by now, the worse the rhyme, the better the time. And so here we go. Hardcore analysis combined with scheduled fun. Rhyming keys for a commander's win at the Colts. How do the commanders win this game? We now rhyme the ways. And we begin with rhyming key number one. This is for Commander's Offensive Coordinator, Scott Turner. Be a plus and out-scheme Gus. I think that this game for the Commanders at the Colts is a big game for Scott Turner. Uh, his offense overall this season has not been good. Uh, there have been a lot of reasons for that, but he has been one of those reasons. Uh, he has been badly out-schemed in multiple games. He even essentially has admitted to having not been prepared 
Uh, Scott, during his post-practice press conference, now two Thursday afternoons ago, October 20th, essentially admitted that the commanders were not prepared for the Chicago Bears cover zero blitzes in the 12-7 win at the Bears on Thursday night football in week six. Uh, Well, the Colts have a very experienced and very well-regarded defensive coordinator in Gus Bradley, and the Colts defense is having a good season. The Colts, through week seven, have the following rankings for the 2022 regular season. Number 11 in the NFL in total defense per Football Outsiders DVOA metric. Number eight in the NFL in lowest opponents third down efficiency. Number eight in the NFL in team sack percentage. Now, I do not think that Scott Turner is the adult (laughs) that I know some of you think that he is, but yeah, he needs to be better, okay? Uh, I did think that he did some nice things in the commander's last game, the 23-21 win over the Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field last Sunday afternoon. And Scott now does have, as his starting quarterback, a guy with whom he has lengthy history and great familiarity, Taylor Heineke. Uh, Obviously, Taylor and the offense need to execute what Scott calls, but this to me is a big spot for Scott Turner. Big matchup for Sunday, Scott Turner versus Gus Bradley. And so rhyming key number one for our guy, Scotty, be a plus and out-scheme Gus. Rhyming key for Commander's Colts, number two. This is for Commander's receivers, Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel. Win the war against Gilmore and Moore. You can never be certain about how a team will cover another team's number one receiver, but presumably we on Sunday will be seeing at least a decent amount of Terry McLaurin being covered by Colts corner Stephon Gilmore. Uh, Terry in the win over the Packers roasted corner Jair Alexander as Terry had one of his best games of the season. His final numbers did not do his performance justice. Can Terry, will Terry do the same against Stefan Gilmore. Uh, This is a homecoming game for Terry McLaurin, who is from the Indianapolis area. You know that he wants to have a big game, big test for him on Sunday. Stefan Gilmore so far this season has been solid. And then there is the Colts' primary slot corner, Kenny Moore II, who is having a rough season. Uh, His overall grade for pro football focus for the 2022 regular season is just 47.3 PFF grades or on a scale of 0 to 100. Uh, Curtis Samuel isn't the only commander's receiver who can line up in the slot, but he this season has lined up in the slot a bunch and will continue to do so as Jahan Dodson continues to nurse his hamstring injury. Uh, Curtis could have a big game on Sunday in facing Kenny Moore the second. And so rhyming key number two, this for Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel, win the war against Gilmore and Moore. Rhyming key for commander's Colts number three, This is for the interior of the commander's offensive line. Do not get plowed over by DeForest and Grover. Uh, The commander's offensive line has been better during the two-game winning streak as compared to the play of the offensive line during the commander's one-and-four start to the 2022 regular season. But the offensive line still is a concern, has to be. Uh, The interior of the offensive line is what, to me, remains most worrisome. Left guard, Andrew Norwell, center, Tyler Larson, and right guard, Sadiq Charles, although perhaps we are going to see this change at right guard. Sadiq Charles has not practiced this week so far, talking about Wednesday and Thursday due to illness. Uh, Maybe we will see what has been talked about, Samuel Cosme at right guard, with Cornelius Lucas remaining at right tackle. Whatever the case, the Colts have two stud interior defensive linemen in DeForest Buckner, and Grover Stewart. Uh, Buckner for the 2022 regular season leads the Colts 
with eight quarterback hits. Stewart is having a very good season. We heard about that last segment from Colts insider Mike Chappell of Fox 59 CBS 4 Sports in Indianapolis. Uh, Taylor Heineke in the win over the Packers did get pressured quite a bit, but he did a good job of avoiding sacks. He took just one sack the entire game. Still, the plan can't just be for Taylor's mobility to save the day. The commander's offensive line has got to get to a point at which we stop having to worry about the line game in and game out. The line is going to be tested by the Colts' interior pass rush. And so, rhyming key number three, this for the interior of the commander's offensive line. Do not get plowed over by DeForest and Grover. And one more, it is number four. Rhyming key for Commander's Colts, number four. This for the Commander's defensive line. Slam Sam, but be wary of his scram. Uh, In theory, the Commanders are catching a break in facing Sam Ellinger as the Colts' starting quarterback, who will be making his first career NFL regular season start. There's a lot that we do not know about Sam as an NFL quarterback. Uh, Heck, there's a lot that he and the Colts don't know about him as an NFL quarterback. One thing that we do know, though, is that he is mobile. Uh, The Colts took Sam Ellinger in the sixth round of the 2021 NFL draft out of Texas. He was a quarterback for the Longhorns for four seasons, 2017 through 2020. He, over 46 career games at Texas, had 33 rushing touchdowns. The only quarterback to truly hurt the Commanders with his legs this season has been the Bears' Justin Fields, who, when the Commanders win at the Bears, had 12 carries for 88 yards. I'm not saying that Sam Ellinger is Justin Fields in terms of mobility, but we do know that Ellinger's mobility is one of the reasons that he has been installed as the Colts' new starting quarterback. Uh, Otherwise, The commander's defensive line needs to tee off on this guy. Pressure him, hit him, sack him, make him as uncomfortable and rattled as possible. Uh, The commanders through week seven had the following rankings for the 2022 regular season. Number six in the NFL in pressure percentage per sport radar. Number seven in the NFL in team sack percentage. And the commanders are generating pressures and registering sacks despite not blitzing all that often. The commanders so often are getting pressure by rushing four. That has been a beautiful thing to see. Uh, Meantime, the Colts, uh, they through week seven, were 30th out of 32 NFL teams in team pass block win rate for ESPN for the 2022 regular season. Uh, The Commanders, by the way, were number 31, but I digress. The Colts' offensive line has been a major problem so far this season. Rhyming key number four, this for the commander's defensive line, slam Sam, but be wary of his scram. Uh, I told you that these rhymes aren't good. Uh, All right, it is prediction time. Uh, The line for this game per win bed as of very early Friday morning was commander's plus three. Uh, A good bit of public money is on the Commanders. Um, That always makes me a little concerned, but I'm going to ride the Mandos, okay? Give me the Commanders plus the three. The winning streak gets the three. Commanders 26, Colts 14. Running back Antonio Gibson has a kickoff return for a touchdown. Up next, I'm talking Virginia Tech football. What could have been a big win for the Hokies ended up being a gut-wrenching loss.
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We move now to college football, a disaster of a game for Virginia Tech on Thursday night. I mean, I don't think that that's overstating things. The Hokies were in position for an actual impressive big win, but instead they blew it. Uh, Tech fell to 2-6 and six overall and 1-4 and four in the ACC with a 22-21 loss at number 24 NC State. The Hokies blew a 21 21- three third quarter lead yeah the Hokies blew a 21-3 third quarter lead the Hokies on Thursday night were the Chokies okay you put a C in front of the Hokies name you got exactly what Tech was on Thursday night this was a strange game man Tech trailed at the half three nothing then won the third quarter 21-7 and then lost the fourth quarter 12-0 and here's the bottom line Uh, Virginia Tech now has its first five-game losing streak since 1992, and Virginia Tech has just lost every game in a month of October for the first time since 1952. Uh, This is a rough, brutal season for first-year head coach Brent Pry. Uh, The Hokies on Thursday night, again, were woeful offensively. Uh, The Hokies had... 13 accepted penalties for 69 yards. Nothing from the game stood out as much as the following. 10 of the 13 accepted penalties were false start penalties. Yes, Virginia Tech on Thursday night had 10 accepted false start penalties. Absolutely inexcusable. I can't ever remember seeing that in a game, NFL or college, a team having 10 accepted penalties full start penalties in a game. This was Brent Pry during his post-game press conference late night on Thursday night on his team committing, again, 10 accepted full start penalties. Yeah, I tell you, I think it was loud on the field. 
uh, they were making some calls at the line of scrimmage, their defense. And, uh, you know, they would move and, and they would say some things, and, it, and we were flinching. We can't do it. We got to be more disciplined than that. Um, you know, a couple of them got us off schedule bad, put us in the hole. We overcame a couple of them, but obviously, you know, we got a veteran group up there for the most part. We got to be better than that. And we're certainly going to take a hard look at that. You know, I told the guys in the locker room after the game, you can't absorb 12 penalties. You just can't. You look at the score and you say, if we had three, do we win the game? Because we only have three penalties. So we got to be more disciplined at that. And that starts with me. Yeah, 10 accepted full start penalties for Virginia Tech on Thursday night. I cannot get over that. Uh, Some more on the Hokies' woeful offense. Tech on Thursday night totaled just 293 total net yards of offense, but incredibly 251 of the 293 total net yards of offense came in the third quarter. The Hokies had this great third quarter and did like nothing offensively the rest of the game. Uh, the Hokies for the game, 1 of 11 on third downs. Uh, Tech quarterback and Marshall transfer Grant Wells, very bizarre game. He completed just 11 of his 22 pass attempts and took four sacks, but Wells threw for 243 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions. He averaged 11.05 yards per pass attempt and he averaged 21.09 yards per completion. Those are outstanding yards per pass attempt and yards per completion numbers. Uh, Wells had a third quarter, first and 15, 85-yard shotgun play action touchdown bomb to receiver Caleb Smith, and Wells had two third quarter touchdown runs. Uh, But Tech's running game, again, did very little. Uh, Tech running backs Malachi Thomas and Jalen Holston combined for 14 carries for just 35 yards. Thomas left the game Due to injury, running back Keyshawn King did not play in the game due to injury. Uh, Tech's defense did do some good things, but the defense allowed NC State quarterback MJ Morris, who had been the Wolfpack's third-string quarterback, to come into the game for a bench Jack Chambers and light it up 20-29 for 265 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. Uh, A nightmare of a season continues for the Hokies. Uh, More from Brent Pry during his post-game press conference late night on Thursday night. You know, it's hard to believe that that I feel like we're closer than we've been, but yet we didn't win the game because we've been awful close. And, uh, you know, to me, you got to have a closer's mentality in the fourth quarter. You know, you got to play your absolute best. And and we just needed a play or two uh, to change the outcome. And, uh, And we'll get there. You know, I I told the guys in the locker room, I'm just so proud of them. You know, they're improving all the time. They fight. They battle. The the culture's right. They're they're going in the right direction. It just didn't equal a win tonight. You know, and we got to make sure we do a better job as coaches and players. You you know, it's the little things. It's the details. And where can we make the difference in flipping the script and and being 1-0? Yeah, next up for Virginia Tech, home to Georgia Tech on Saturday afternoon, November 5th at 12.30. All right, well, we had what we had with Virginia Tech on Thursday night. Let's now get to the rest of Week 9 of the 2022 college football season with some Goldilocks, my previews and picks against the spreads for games played by Maryland, Navy, Virginia Tech, 
and Virginia. Uh, no game this week for Maryland. The Terrapins improved to 6-2 and overall and 3-2 and in the Big Ten with a 31-24 win over Northwestern at CQ Stadium in College Park, Maryland last Saturday. Terps quarterback Talia Tungavailoa did not play in that game due to an aggravated sprain right MCL that he suffered in the 38-33 win at Indiana on October 15th. So another week to heal for him. Uh, the Terps' next game is at Wisconsin on Saturday, November 5th. So here we go. Goldilocks, all point spreads are from Winbed and are as of a very early Friday morning. Goldilocks, game number one, Virginia, home to Miami, Saturday afternoon at 12.30. The Cavaliers are plus two. Uh, they are coming off a win. Uh, the Cavs improved to three and four overall and one and three in the ACC with a 16-9 win at Georgia Tech. Now, two Thursday nights ago, October 20th. Uh, man, was that game ugly. The Cavs won the second half 3-0. Uh, the two teams won a combined 8 of 35 on third downs. The Cavs won despite committing four turnovers. The Cavs won despite having 10 accepted penalties for 92 yards as Virginia continues to have a big penalty problem this season. Uh, the Cavs won despite their special teams being a mess, a blocked field goal attempt, another missed field goal attempt, a blocked punt, and the giving up of a Georgia Tech first down via a 15-yard leaping penalty on a fourth quarter Georgia Tech punt. Uh, the game ended with Georgia Tech quarterback Zach Gibson running out of bounds on the final play. Uh, just a mess of a game, but this was a Virginia victory. Uh, the Wahoos defense did catch a big break, but the Hoos defense was good. Uh, Georgia Tech quarterback Jeff Sims left the game due to injury, and unlike in the Hoos previous game, they capitalized on the opposing quarterback being out in this game. Virginia's previous game was a 34-17 loss to Louisville at Scott Stadium in Charlottesville, Virginia on October 8th. The Hoos lost that game despite Louisville star quarterback Malik Cunningham not playing in the game due to being in concussion protocol. The Hoos defense ended up being a big disappointment in that game, but the Hoos defense in this win at Georgia Tech was great. The Hoos held Georgia Tech to just 202 total net yards of offense and just two Point eight yards per play. The Hoos held Georgia Tech to just 6 of 21 on third downs, and the Hoos totaled eight sacks, so really good stuff from Virginia's defense. Uh, UVA quarterback Brendan Armstrong had a mixed game. Uh, he completed just 20 of his 35 pass attempts, threw for just 255 yards, and threw two interceptions, but he did have a touchdown pass, which was a second quarter, first and 10, 44-yard shotgun touchdown pass to receiver Don Tavian Wicks, who made multiple great moves to get by would-be tacklers. Uh, that was Brendan Armstrong's 57th career touchdown pass, setting a new Virginia record. And Armstrong had 13 carries for 91 yards and a touchdown. And Armstrong took no sacks. Uh, the Miami Hurricanes, they are 3-4. and four. They are coming off a 45-21 home loss to Duke last Saturday. Uh, the Kane starting quarterback, Tyler Van Dyke, left the game in the second quarter due to an apparent injury to his throwing shoulder. His status for this game against Virginia had not been made clear. His replacement, Jake Garcia, came into the game and committed five of Miami's astounding eight turnovers in the game. Yes, DeYou had eight turnovers in this game. Garcia had three interceptions and two lost fumbles. Miami in the game totaled five 
lost fumbles. Uh, tough to pick this game without knowing the status of Tyler Van Dyke, but give me Miami minus two. Make money, money, make money, money, money. Thank you, Snoop Dogg. Goldilocks game number two, Navy, home to Temple. Saturday afternoon at 3.30, the midshipmen are minus 14. Yes, the mids, who are 2-5 and five overall and 2-3 and three in the American Athletic Conference, they are 14-point favorites on Temple. Uh, Navy is coming off a 38-20 loss to Houston at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland last Saturday afternoon. Uh, this game was not close. So the midshipmen trailed in the first quarter 14-0, trailed at the half 21-7, and trailed in the fourth quarter 38-14. Navy's defense, a major disappointment for a second consecutive game. The mids allowed Houston to generate 441 total net yards of offense, average 6.9 yards per play, and go 7-12 on third downs and 2-2 on fourth downs. Uh, The mids got carved up by Houston quarterback Clayton Toon, who went 21-30 for 261 yards, five touchdowns, and no interceptions, and had nine official carries for 43 yards. Navy sacked him just once, although it was a third-quarter sack strip that resulted in a fumble return for a touchdown by Navy. Uh, But the mids allowed Houston running back Stacey Sneed to have 20 carries for 100 yards, and things could have been worse. Houston committed four fumbles, including three lost fumbles. Uh, Navy's offense did do some good things, but ultimately wasn't good enough. The mids went 7-14 on third downs, got some good production from some running backs. Slot back Mikel Haywood had five carries for 51 yards. Fullback Daba Fofana had 20 carries for 89 yards and a touchdown. But Navy quarterback Ty Lovatai, very mixed game, 6-13 for 125 yards and a touchdown. Uh, That does work out to 9.62 yards per pass attempt and a whopping 20.83 yards per completion. He had two completions to receiver Jaden Umbarger that totaled 93 yards, including a 41-yard touchdown pass deep in the fourth quarter. But Lovatai also threw two interceptions and had 16 carries for just 30 yards. And he only took one sack, so it's not like his rushing yardage total got ruined by sacks. Uh, Also, Navy had some special teams problems. Kicker Daniel Davies 0-2 on field goals, including a late second quarter 41-yard field goal attempt that was blocked. But like I said, Navy for this game against Temple is a 14-point favorite. That's because the Temple Owls are one of the worst teams in the FBS. Uh, the Owls are 2-5 and five overall and 0-3 and in the American Athletic Conference. Among Temple's losses this season, a 70-13 loss at UCF on October 13th. There are 131 teams in the FBS. Temple through Week 8 was 130th in offensive efficiency for ESPN for this season. Navy isn't good, but Temple is horrendous. Give me the midshipman. Minus 14. Make money, money, make money, money, money. All right, Snoop. And so the rest of your Goldilocks for week nine of the 2022 college football season, Miami minus two and Navy minus 14. Also on Saturday, Old Dominion at Georgia State, Saturday afternoon at three. We have bye weeks this week for James Madison and Liberty.
Uh, the Capitals, uh, they fell to 4-4-0 with a 2-0 loss at the Dallas Stars on Thursday night. Pretty even game. Uh, the Caps and Stars, each team went 0-3 on the power play and 3-3 on the penalty kill. Each team finished with 27 shots on goal. The puck possession battle was fairly even. The Caps, per natural stat trick, had 42 5-on-5 shot attempts to the Stars, 48. Uh, the Caps did give up a shorthanded goal. This was bad. Uh, the Caps gave up a shorthanded goal to Yoel Kiviranta, 10:54 into the third period. As Kiviranta was in the Caps' defensive zone, he stole the puck away on an attempted exchange between defenseman John Carlson and center Evgeny Kuznetsov. And then Kiviranta, in the low slot, beat goaltender Darcy Kemper. Uh, that was a rough moment if you're a Caps fan. Kemper overall played well. He stopped 25 of the 27 shots on goal that he faced, uh, but Stars goaltender Jake Ottinger stopped all 27 of the shots on goal that he faced. There was some bad luck for the Caps in this game. Forward Alex Ovechkin had two crossbars. Uh, he had a game-high seven shots on goal and a game-high 11 shot attempts, but two of his shots hit a crossbar. Uh, next up for the Caps at the Nashville Predators, Saturday night at 8. All right. Hey, before we call it a show, congratulations to Orioles manager Brandon Hyde, who on Thursday was named American League Manager of the Year by the Sporting News. I said, congratulations to Orioles manager Brandon Hyde, who on Thursday was named American League Manager of the Year by the Sporting News. And the Orioles again in the win column. Thank you, Joe Angel. Uh, the O's in the 2022 regular season, 83 and 79. This off in the 2021 regular season, going a major league worst tying 52 and 110. So from 52 and 110 to 83 and 79, a 31 win improvement. Uh, not bad. Also, O shortstop Jorge Mateo on Thursday won the 2022 Fielding Bible Award for shortstop. Uh, the Fielding Bible Awards are very prestigious defensive awards. Uh, this year's Fielding Bible Awards were determined by a 15-person expert voting panel. The panel awards 10 winners each year, one at each position, plus an additional award that goes to the best defensive multi-position player. Uh, Jorge Mateo had an outstanding defensive season, even though inexplicably he is not one of the three finalists for the American League Gold Glove Award at shortstop. Uh, that is a joke. Anyway, that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 432, will feature in-depth reaction to and analysis of whatever happens for our three and four commanders in their game at the 3-3-1 Indianapolis Colts this Sunday afternoon at 425. I'll talk Wizards, uh, two games for them this weekend, home to the Indiana Pacers Friday night at 7.30 and at the Boston Celtics Sunday evening at 6. By the way, significant Wizards news on Thursday. The Wiz announced that DeLon Wright is out indefinitely with a grade 2 strain of his right hamstring. Uh, this is a big blow. Uh, Wright suffered the injury in the 120-99 win over the Detroit Pistons at Capital One Arena 
on Tuesday night. Uh, also on Monday's show, I'll talk Capitals. They have a game on Saturday night at the Nashville Predators at 8. And I'll talk college football. Virginia home to Miami Saturday afternoon at 12.30. Navy home to Temple Saturday afternoon at 3.30. And Old Dominion at Georgia State Saturday afternoon at 3. Have a great rest of your Friday. Have a great Saturday and Sunday. And I'll talk to you on Monday. Allow myself to introduce myself. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.